Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. If I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, my name is Brandon, one of the pastors on the ministry team today. Um, in 2015, a significant eva- uh, event happened that from that moment on, I never walk on the beach the same again. My family used to live in Florida for quite a few years, and we would frequently visit the ocean. We would frequently go to the beach and we loved it. But in 2015, something significant happened and I never walk on the beach the same again. What happened? Well, in 2015, a group of Florida treasure hunters found 350 gold coins just off the shore in Vero Beach, Florida, which happened to only be 50 miles away from our favorite beach. They found 350 gold coins The treasure had been buried for over 300 years, and it was just in the shallow waters just off the shore. It was worth $4.5 million. It was an incredible find. And if you're doing the math, 350 gold coins worth $4.5 million, that's $13,000 a coin. And so every time I went to the beach, I wouldn't hang out with my family. I wouldn't go in the waters. I would walk up and down the shoreline. Why? Because I wanted to find one of those gold coins, 13 grand right away. And there were stories after that event of people just walking the shoreline and they would find a gold coin. Well, today's story, Jesus wants to share or talk about gold. He wants to talk about gold coins. He wants to talk about buried treasure. And so That is the parable that we're going to be looking at today. It's found in Matthew chapter 25. And I hope if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up there at that time uh, right now. Let's pull out our app notes or pull out our notes that you walked in with. In fact, if you look at the notes this morning, it says at the top, teach us to pray. That was last week. And if you missed that message, it was extremely profound. I'd encourage you to go listen to it. Um, Our message today is entitled God's Golden Buzzer. And we're not going to be in Luke chapter 11. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. And it's definitely not July 7th, okay? A week did happen. We are July 14th. So if you want to make those edits, I think the app notes are correct. Sorry for the mistake. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. I want to welcome those of you that are tuning in online through Facebook Live or the live stream. Thank you so much for carving out a little bit of your morning to hang out with us. We're in the middle of a series. We're in week number seven of a really good series on the parables of Jesus. And we've been taking a journey with Jesus through the countryside of Galilee, through Jerusalem, through all of Israel. And he's sharing with us some of his most important stories that he told his first century audience. And it's been an incredibly impactful series Jesus was a master storyteller, and he would often teach in the form of parables. Now, what's a parable? We want you to know this. This is so important to us, and we want you to know this. A parable is, it comes from two Greek words, para and balo, which simply mean this, to throw or lay or place alongside for the purpose of comparison. Jesus would take two things, and he would compare them to each other so that we can capture and gather some deep spiritual truth. So in other words, a parable is an earthly story that is revealed to have spiritual meaning for those who will seek out the deeper meaning of it. 
I love what Pastor Christian said in week number one of our series. I wrote it down because it was so good. He said this, a parable is a stethoscope that detects a spiritual heartbeat in the listener defined as hunger. My prayer this morning before you and for me is that we would have a hunger as we would listen to this parable. And that hunger would be a great example of a spiritual heartbeat in our lives. And so this week is the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold. So before we read this parable, I want to do what Pastor Christian has gotten us in the habit of doing. And I want to just pray just briefly and ask God to speak to us through these words. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just pause and we breathe and we ask that you would just speak to our hearts. Lord, let not these be words written on a page that don't have any meaning to us, but Lord, let your spirit reveal deep truths in these words that were written down 2,000 years ago. Lord, don't let them be antiquated, but full of life for us today. Speak to us, Father, in Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, amen, amen. All right, two goals today. I have two goals for us today. The first goal is this. I want you to discover what I have discovered, is that Jesus has entrusted us with special gifts and abilities. I want you to discover that God has, or that Jesus has entrusted you special gifts and abilities. And then the second thing I want to do today is inspire you. I want to inspire you to share those gifts that God has given to you, to the world. I want to inspire you to share those talents and those abilities to the world. And we're going to do that through two questions that we've been using throughout the series. Those two questions are simply this. What is this parable? We're going to walk through this parable together. And then what is the point of this parable? What, so what's the big deal about this parable? Well, let's look at question number one. Question number one is this. What is this parable? Look at Matthew 25, verse 14. I hope you have your pens or your Bible. You can underline this. Again, it, I want you to circle it. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. A great question to ask right now, and I hope you're doing that, is what is it? What is it? What is this parable? What are the two things that Jesus is going to lay side by side so that we can get deeper spiritual truth? Well, the it in this verse right here refers to the kingdom of God. Many of his parables compared the kingdom of God to an earthly reality. Today, the it is the kingdom of God and the earthly reality is this. It's a man going on a journey who entrusted his wealth with some servants. It's going to compare the kingdom of God with a man going on a journey who entrusted his wealth to his servants. So I believe this morning there are at least four parable parallels that we need to know if we are going to understand this parable. There's four things we've got to understand if we're going to understand and know this parable in deeper ways. The, four, uh, the first one is this. Jesus promised that he would leave this earth. Jesus promised that he would leave his earth. Well, where's that found in the parable? Well, let's look at it. Look at verse 14 again. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. If we're going to understand this parable, we need to to understand a couple things. One, the man that 
is referred to in this parable, it can be referred to as Jesus. Jesus is the man or the owner in this parable, and we are his servants. So again, it'll be like a man going on a journey. Jesus promised that he would leave this earth. He wanted his first century listeners to this parable to understand that Jesus was not going to be with them all the time, that he would be going on a journey. And he was right. After his death, after his resurrection, after he would spend a few more days on this earth with his friends and his closest disciples, Jesus would go on a journey. Luke records um, eyewitnesses to this incredible event. If you know anything about this event in church, it's called the, the Ascension of Jesus. And Luke records this event by talking to eyewitnesses. And he he shows us in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. He said, after he said this, Jesus said a few last words before he ascended into heaven. Look what Luke says. He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus went on a journey. That's the first parallel. The second parallel is this. Jesus promised that when he left, he would send a gift. Jesus promised that when he left, he would send us a gift. Have you ever gone on vacation and realized that you need to buy some souvenirs for the people who are maybe taking care of your house? Maybe you want to bring back a souvenir to the person who's taking care of your kids or to the person who's taking care of your dog. Um, I'm going to be very transparent. I'm, I find it extremely annoying. I, I, don't, I don't get it why somebody would want a snow globe or a t-shirt or, a, or, or something else from a cheap gift shop. But, but here's the cool part. How nice would it be to not even have to go on a vacation or a journey and have to worry about a souvenir. You see in this parable, the master not only goes on a journey, but he leaves a gift before he even goes on the journey. Look at what it says. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called all of his servants together and he said, I'm going to give you some gifts. He says, I am entrusting you with wealth. It was cool. He gave him a souvenir even before he went on the journey. Well, in the, master, or in the parable, the master not only goes on a journey, he gives a little gift. And Jesus fulfilled his promise as well. Look at, verse four, uh, look at uh, John 16, verse 7. Jesus did the very same thing. John 16, verse 7. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the advocate, that's an important word. The advocate is another name for the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, if I go on my journey, I will send him to you. Jesus, before he went on his journey, didn't give us a snow globe. He didn't give us a t-shirt. He gave us the Holy Spirit. So important for us to, uh, to understand. You see, just a few days after Jesus left the earth, he sent his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowered people with special gifts and he still does that today. For any follower of Jesus, he empowers you with special gifts. Why? To build up the church. So not only did Jesus promise that he would leave, and not only did he send us a gift, but thirdly, Jesus promised that he will return. Jesus promised that he will return. Look at verse 19 of the parable. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. Jesus promised that he would return. What was he doing? Well, what was the master doing while he was on this journey? This parable doesn't give us any insight to that. 
But Jesus went on a journey as well. And when he said he was going to go on a journey, he actually shared with us what he's going to do while he's away on this journey. And this should be extremely comforting for you and I today. Look at what he says in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there? What's Jesus doing while he's on his journey? To prepare a place for you. Jesus is on a journey and he's preparing a place for you. And this is incredibly comforting for for followers of Jesus, that he will return, but while he's away, he's prepping, he's preparing a place for you so that you can be with him in eternity forever. So Jesus promised that he would return. But lastly, the fourth parable parallel is this. Jesus promised he would settle accounts with us. Jesus promised that someday he would settle accounts with us. Parents, you know what this is like. You, you know what this is like. Anytime your child has come to you and say, hey, mom, dad, could I have some money for Chick-fil-A? Can I have some money for a candy bar? And you freely give them, you know, 20 bucks or 10 bucks to, to purchase what they would like. And, and, and you say, hey, you know, Cooper, or that's my son, or, or Demi, um, here's 20 bucks to go buy Chick-fil-A. I want you to bring back the change. You know what that's about. Can I just pause for my message for just a moment and ask you as parents this question? Have your kids ever returned the change? (laughs) Is that just me? Okay, good. My kids never return with change. In fact, the truth, the true reality is this, is that now I've started asking for receipts. So I'll give them the money. I know what exactly they're going to go purchase. I want receipts. I want proof of what you've purchased. That's this idea of settling accounts with us. Jesus promised that someday he would settle accounts with us. I find this uh, parable extremely interesting. Let's review it just quickly. Let's just go walk through it together. A master says he's going to go on a journey. He brings his servants together. He says, I'm going to go on a long journey, but I need to entrust you with some of my wealth. To one servant, he gives five bags of gold. That that servant goes and takes that five bags of gold. And I love what the parable says. He puts it to work and he makes five more. He doubles the amount of gold. He goes to another servant. He says, I'm going to give you two bags of gold. That, that servant goes and puts it to work and he brings back two, ba- two more bags of gold. He doubled his amount. And then the third servant, the ser- third servant is given a bag of gold, but instead of going investing it, what does he do? He goes and buries it. He buried his bag of gold. Some of your translations may say a talent. Some of your translations may say a bag of coins. This this word talent, it actually refers to 20 years of wages for a day laborer. One talent, just one talent would be 20 years of wages for a day laborer. So in modern day equivalents, if a day laborer earned $15 an hour at 2,000 hours per year, she would earn $30,000 a year. So one talent, just one talent, would equal approximately $600,000. That's just one talent. One of the servants received five bags of gold. That would have been $3 million. 
Two bags of gold would have been $1.2 million. One bag of gold, $600,000, a significant amount of wealth. And the first century listeners would have been leaning in their chair. They, were, they would be wondering, okay, where's Jesus going with this story? What is he trying to say? What does it mean for me? They may have been confused, maybe just like you are this morning. You see, in this parable, Jesus is reminding you and I that he will someday return to settle accounts with us. And Paul writes in this letter to the church at Corinth, the very same thing. Look at what he says to the church at Corinth, to a group of believers. Look at what he says. So we make it our goal to please him. Who's him? God. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We will all someday have to settle accounts with Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. You know, I had the opportunity this week to be a part of the the Activate podcast, but in a different way. If you've listened to the podcast, I'm the one that gets to ask the questions and Christian, Pastor Christian responds. This week, Pastor Christian asked me the questions and I had to respond. So I was extremely intimidated. So if you want to know a little bit more about the judgment seat, we unpack this together and you should go and listen to it just for the sheer fact that you can probably hear the fear in my voice. All right. So go listen to the Activate podcast this week to unpack this idea of the judgment seat just a little bit deeper. So let's review quickly the four parable parallels together really quickly. Jesus promised that he would leave this earth. He did that, right? Jesus promised that when he left, he would send a gift. He did that, right? Thirdly, Jesus promised that he will return. He hasn't done that yet. We're praying for that day, but he hasn't done that yet. Fourthly, Jesus promised that he will settle accounts with us. If he hasn't returned, he hasn't settled accounts with us. So that means, guess what? There's still time. There's still time. And maybe you're thinking, Brandon, that's a lot of great information. And I see the spiritual truth in that. But what's the point of it? I'm glad you asked, because that's the second question we're going to answer today. What's the point of this parable? What can we learn about the kingdom of God and from a man going on a journey that applies to us today? Well, here's point number one. God has entrusted you with gifts and abilities. Did you know that? God has entrusted you with gifts and abilities. Look at verse 14 again. This is what he told, us, uh, told those at first century group of listeners and he's telling us today. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to him. This, this word entrust, it's a financial term. Each servant was given a portion of the owner's wealth. The wealth was not theirs. It was the owner's wealth. And they were only to be good managers or stewards of that wealth. It was understood that because the master in the, in the parable was going on a long journey, that the servants had a responsibility of managing his wealth, even growing his wealth. That was understood when the owner gave that wealth away. 
And today, God is entrusting you and I with special gifts and abilities. You've been entrusted with three very specific things that I believe. First, you've been entrusted with time. Every one of us have been given today 1,440 minutes that he has entrusted with us to use to use um, and to impact others with. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians. He says in Ephesians 5, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time, our time, your time. It's not yours. It's God's time. And he's given it to you. He's stewarding it to you. How are you using his time? You've been given treasures. You've been given resources. Men, women, you've been given influence. Those are treasures to, to, to use for kingdom impact. James, the brother of Jesus, says this in James chapter 1, verse 16, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every good thing that you receive comes from, comes from above. That means your, your money, your possessions, your cars, your homes, everything that you own, everything that you feel like you possess, it's not yours, it's God's. He's given it to you. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. We've been given time. We've been given treasures, but we've also been given talents. Not the talents in our parable today. We've been given special Special abilities, natural abilities that God has entrusted us with. First Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We've all been given natural God-given abilities. Some of you can sing. Some of you can sew. Some of you can, are extremely good at athletics. Some of you have an ex, a great mathematical mind. Some of you are great at writing, or, or maybe you can draw, or you're an artist, or, or maybe you're really good at handling money. Those are all talents. Yes, you've crafted those. You've worked on them. You've practiced them. But those are all God-given natural abilities that he has so generously given to you. You've been entrusted with those gifts. You've been entrusted with time. You've been entrusted with treasures. You've been entrusted with talents. And if you've been entrusted with something, if you've been entrusted with someone, you're not the owner. You are simply the manager. You see, a question for us to ponder this week that I I put in your message notes is this. Do you see yourself as an owner or a manager of what you've been given? Do you see yourself as an owner or a manager of what you've been given? You see, if, you're, if you see yourself as an owner, you say, it's all mine. This stuff, all of these possessions, all of my time, all of my treasures, it's all, it's all mine. In fact, when they run out, I feel like God owes me. And then if you take it to its fullest natural conclusion, you have an attitude of an entitlement. But if you say, you know what? I'm not the owner. He's the owner. I'm only the manager then it's all his. And then you have this idea, you have this attitude that I owe God. It's all his. I owe God. I owe my everything. And you have an attitude of gratitude. You're thankful for what he's given to you. Do you see yourself as an owner? Do you see yourself as a manager of what you've been given? God has entrusted all of us with gifts and abilities. The second point is this. In the kingdom of God, God gives something to everyone, but not everyone receives equal amount. I had to wrestle with this one this week a little bit. 
God gives something to everyone, but not everyone receives equal amount. Did you see that in the parable? Look at verse 15 again. To one, he gave five bags of gold. That's great. To another, two bags of gold. That's generous. And another one, one bag. And then I paused right there. And I asked this question, and maybe you're asking the same question as well. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem fair. Why did God give different amounts to different people? And then I read this line. Each according to his ability. Each according to his ability. That didn't seem fair until I read that line. And it's so important for us to understand this, that just because we may not all receive equal amounts of gifts and talents doesn't mean that what we have, what God's given to us is any less important or significant. But Brandon, I don't sing like she does. It doesn't mean that the gift you have isn't less important. Brandon, I, I, I don't have as much money as them, but what you do have is so, so important. I can't teach like her, or I'm not in good, at good at school as they are. But God has entrusted you and given you special gifts and abilities. And you see, in the kingdom of God, it's not a measurement of quantity. It's a measurement of quality. How are you going to use those gifts and abilities that he has given you? So my question for you is this. How has your view of God influenced your use of gifts and your abilities? How has your view of God influenced the use of your gifts and your abilities? If you see God as a stingy master, you may be burying your gifts like that third servant. You may be burying your talents. If you view God as a fair and generous master, you may be freely sharing your gifts and freely sharing your abilities that you have been given. So in the kingdom of God, God has entrusted you with special gifts and abilities. We got that. In the kingdom of God, God gives something to everyone, but not everyone receives equal amount. Got it. Third point is this. In the kingdom of God, God expects you, God expects I, you and I, to invest what you have been given for the benefit of others. There's an expectation that God has, just like the owner had for those three servants. God has an expectation that you, that you invest what you've been given for the benefit of others. I find it interesting that the master in the parable had the same thing to say about servant number one and servant number two. Did you see it? Verse 21 and 23 are the exact same verse. Look at it. His master replied, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The master's happiness was not dependent upon how much the servants made. He praised the servants because of their faithfulness. He praised the servants because of their faithfulness. And unfortunately, the harsh reality, at least for many Christians, is like the third servant, they've buried their gifts and abilities. Why? Maybe because they're fearful. Maybe because they're unaware. They, they don't know what gifts they can, what their gifts can do for the greater kingdom in, impact. Maybe like, like me, you've, you've maybe been too busy to even explore this, to even look at this. And so you've buried those gifts and those talents that God's used, and you haven't used them. And Jesus, unfortunately, cuts right to the chase in this parable. He, he has some pretty stern words to that third servant. Look at what he says. 
His master replied, this is to the third servant who buried his treasure, you wicked, lazy servant. It's pretty stern words. You sense some anger, maybe some frustration from the master. This word wicked could be used as worthless. He said, you worthless, lazy servant. I, I get a sense from, the, from this parable that Jesus is a little frustrated. I think it's important for you and I to understand this morning, the owner in the parable was not disappointed because the servant buried the treasure and missed a large return of investment. That the master failed to get a good ROI uh, from, his, from his servant. No, I think the owner in the parable was angry because of the loss of potential impact that could have happened in the lives of others while he was away on his journey. And so I think to wrap up today, there's two important parable truths that I want you to understand. The first one is this. You should always give away what Jesus gives to you for greater impact. You should always give away what Jesus gives to you for greater impact. This is a precedent that has been set from the very beginning of time. I mean, even with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, uh, God went to Abraham and he said, Abraham, you're special. I'm going to bless you, but that blessing is not for you to keep. It's not even for your family. I want you to bless the world with it. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. And then Jesus kind of followed through with this in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Look at what Jesus says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, just before he would ascend into heaven. He said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit is that special gift that God has given to all followers of Jesus. Now watch this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he doesn't say, I want you to keep it, hold it inside. It's for you. No, what does he say? And you will be my witnesses. You will take this gift to Jerusalem. That's where they were at. Okay, we got you, Jesus. We're going to keep this. We're going to keep it in Jerusalem. No, 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 no. And then I want you to take it to Judea. And then I want you to take to Samaria. And then I want you to take it to the ends of the earth. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to this world. I don't know about you, but I watch a show every once, every once in a while called America's Got Talent. Any, anybody fans of America's Got Talent? For us that watch it, it's AGT. AGT. Did you watch AGT? Um, I was watching it a few weeks ago, and uh, I was introduced to a person named Cody Lee. Maybe you saw this. Um, extremely inspirational. Cody Lee's 22 years old. He's from South Carolina. He was born blind. And at the age of four, his, he was diagnosed with autism. But then his mom, named Tina, discovered something very special about Cody. And I want you to watch this on the screen. Yeah. 
in so many places in my life and time I've sung a lot of songs And I've made some bad rhymes I've acted in my life in stages Ten thousand people watching, yeah And we're alone now judges and everybody in this room were up on their feet. I will tell you that. You've got to know that. You were wonderful. Not only do we feel the authenticity of what you do, but you're a great inspiration and a great talent. And it was amazing. Thank you so much. Julian. I know um, everybody needs a voice and an expression. And I really feel your your heart, your passion, your voice blew all of us away. So I just want to say that I heard you and I felt you and that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Simon? Listen, what just happened there was extraordinary. I mean, really extraordinary. Uh, I don't know what it's like to live in Cody's world. All I can tell is, is that you obviously have an amazing relationship, the two of you. And your voice is absolutely fantastic. You have a really beautiful tone. And thank you so much for trusting us on this show. I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. Thank you. I'm a new judge this season. And I'm also a new mom this year. And congratulations. It's the toughest job I've ever had and the most rewarding job I've ever had. You just want to give your kids the moon, the stars, and the rainbows. And tonight, I'm gonna give you something special. Climb every mountain, mm -hmm. and swim every ocean. 
I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> what an incre- incredibly inspirational story. Cody Lee was the first individual in season 14 to receive the golden buzzer, which allows him to advance to the Hollywood round and bypass a few more rounds, which is extremely, extremely important if you want to win the game. Did you see the response of the crowd? Did you, re- did you see and capture the response of the judges Buried within the life of Cody for years was a, was a gift. And when he used it, it impacted others. It impacted the world. Now 38 million people have seen his video that you just saw on YouTube. It was an inspiration. It was an inspiration for the special needs community. It was an inspiration for you as parents. It was an inspiration to all of us. And I hope you captured what his mom said just before he started playing the piano. He said, this is your time, Cody. This is your time. You ready? This is your time, Cody. You ready? And did you see Cody's response? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think? I think God, through this parable of Jesus, is whispering into each and every one of our ears today. I hope he is. And he's asking us this. And he's telling us this. This is your time. This is your time. Are you ready? This is your time. Are you ready? Our response should be, yeah, I'm ready. I would like to believe that God has a golden buzzer. And he wants to press it for you and for me. And when we use his gifts that he's entrusted to us, he's desperately sitting there and he just wants to press that golden buzzer. And he wants to show us how proud he is of us. And this leads us to the final truth today. You will be held. I will be held accountable for what we do with Jesus gives you. We will. We'll be held accountable for what Jesus gives to us. Someday like the servants, we will be held accountable for how we use or misused the resources that God has entrusted with us. But we won't stand before the judge of Simon Cowell and the like. We will stand before the great judge himself, Jesus Christ. And in Romans chapter two, Paul gives us a glimpse of this moment. He says this, God will repay each person according to what they've done. To those who by persistence and doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. So my final question for you this week is to ponder this. Who have you impacted by using the gifts that God has given you? Who have you impacted by using the abilities that God has given you. My prayer is that you will hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. I believe, I believe that's that's God's golden buzzer.
Will you pray with me as we wrap up this morning? Just a few minutes ago, you asked the Lord to speak to you through this parable. What is he saying to you? What is he saying to your heart? Perhaps he's saying to you like he did to the first and second servant. He's saying, well done. Well done. You're taking the gifts and abilities that I've given to you and you're impacting others. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Maybe God's saying to your heart, listen, I've given you gifts and abilities, but you've been burying them for some time now. Will you just dig a little? Dig a little like those, like those treasure hunters off the coast of Florida. Just dig a little. It's right there. All you got to do is just take a, two, two, a few steps off the shore. There, the treasure is there. Will you use the gifts that I've given to you? What's God saying to your heart? Lord, I thank you for speaking to us today through this parable. I pray this room is filled with people who are not only discovering their gifts in deeper ways, but Lord, that they are inspired to use them. God, I, I pray that you inspire us to be like that five-talent servant. Inspire us to be like that two-talent servant and invest them into the lives of others so that someday we can hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and share in my, ha- my master's happiness. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, amen.